there are some lies in our science books. Taught it for 15 years. Even though I'm not teaching it anymore, I still like to study. It's so many neat things to learn. We're going to cover some of that tonight. Perception is being managed. We are being steered and guided by a hidden hand. The whole world has been duped by the media that is not real. <laughs> smart thinking, possible time traveler, smart thinking. That night, boom, contact memory. And then just, Alex, if you don't agree, you'll be sent to a re-education camp. Just because I'm old doesn't mean I've lost my touch with the ladies. Experts are suggesting that we're in a golden age of shape-shifting reptilian sightings. Now, why is that? I was, and still am, a huge conspiracy guy. I literally ran out of new tin hat topics to research. It was most definitely not capable of melting steel. Then I would be a crackpot if I thought that was that was the, the case. Thought that was that was the, the Welcome to the Hypothetical Institute, a podcast about conspiracies. My name's Luke. I'm Salty. I'm Cam. Hi, guys. How are we? Good, Good thanks. thanks. Good week. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. New location. Yep. Today, we're sitting in your house, Salty. Yes. It's pretty comfy. You made us a good coffee. Good coffees. I went and bought some seating today, specifically for this. Yeah. We've got um some Ikea skulls. A nice ceramic Ikea skull. Yep. Why are they selling a crowned skull at Ikea? Well, it's like... This is the box. I think it's being sold as a planter slash... Oh, okay, there's nothing left on the box. Uh, but it's. I think it's a planter. You can put a plant in it or you can just put stuff in it. I just like the look of it. You can put a marijuana plant in it. It would look pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That would look sick. Fucking sick. Grow some like some of like super hot chilies in it. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That'd be cool. I'm just going to leave it like that. I like it. I just like the aesthetic. Yeah. Cam, have you got any good IKEA furniture lately? No. Okay. This table is an IKEA table. Oh, yep. Right. So you know, this has been IKEA chat. Yeah, this podcast brought to you by IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> this All is right. an IKEA sofa. Yeah. So, uh, before we get into it, we'd like to thank Tom, our thirty-three dollars sponsor on Patreon. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, and Tom. If you'd like to join him? You can, of course, go to Patreon.com/slash/hypothpod. But. Let's get on with the show. Today, we are going to be talking about the siege at Waco. Kind of follows on, I guess, from last week's podcast where we set up this whole thing mm. with the Ruby Ridge. So, yeah. What was Waco? Do we, how, how do we start this? Do we want to start way before Waco even happened? I guess, yeah, let's start way before it happened. Let's start with the Branch Davidians and who they were. So, but just the, the cliff notes is that uh, there was a cult... Uh, in a little town called Waco, Texas. They actually were just outside the town. Mm. I saw multiple times uh, the Waco council are like, guys. Actually wasn't here. It wasn't actually in Waco. <laughs> so if we could call it the Mount Carmel siege, that'd be really good. Yeah. Branch Davidian. They had their own name. We don't need to associate our town. Yeah. But they have absolutely failed to get that, to have any cut through. But, like, they would get some tourism on the back of it. It would just be real cook dudes, though. Yeah. yeah. 
So the long and short of it is that there was a there was a cult just outside this town called Waco. There was a siege and everybody dies. Mm. But it all begins Most everybody. a long time ago. Yeah. So I guess back in the, the 20s, 1929, a guy called Victor Hutef was a Bulgarian immigrant and a Seventh-day Adventist. He started a little group which was called the Shepherd's Rod. Mm. Right. The uh, Seventh-day Adventists are the, the Watchtower guys, yeah? Uh, no, that's the Jehovah's Witnesses. Ah, right. Sorry. So we talked about the Seventh Day Adventists in our Lindy Chamberlain episode. Yes. Remember, they were the group that they started because they thought the world was going to end on a specific date. Right. And then when that didn't happen, <laughs> they just made the decision to carry on. Mm. Now, Victor Hutef uh, learned zero lessons from this. So in 1929, right. he started the Shepherd's Rod. And his their prediction was that uh, the world would end in 1959. Right. So they gave themselves a good 30 years. Yeah. So that was the start of the Branch Davidians. Yeah. So th- they started off as the Shepherd's Rod. Yeah. Uh, eventually, they renamed to be Davidians, or the General Association of Davidian Seventh-day Adventists. What does Davidian mean? Uh, so they believed that the Davidic Kingdom of Israel, so, you know, King David, mm-hmm. they believed that was going to come back. Yeah, right. And that would be part of the end times. Uh, before the world could end, though, in 1955, he popped his clogs. He went early. Oh. And the Davidians were taken over by his wife, Florence. Florence Hutef. Uh, 1959 rolls around, though. And I don't know if you noticed, but the world did not end. Oh, no. Oh. Uh, they call this the Great Disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's an honest name. Yeah. Not the mild disappointment. Well, if you built your whole bloody cult around it. Yeah, it'd be pretty great. Yeah. So, big blow to Florence. Mm. Uh, A guy called Benjamin Roden takes over the group and he renames it to be the Branch Davidians. Yeah, right. So, a a branch of the Davidian sect, basically. Uh, I think there's an actual branch in the Bible. Oh, okay. An anointed branch. Zechariah. Uh, he dies in 1978 mm-hmm. and his wife Lois takes over. And so there was a bit of a power struggle between Lois and her son, George, mm. George Roden. Mm. Uh, but Lois was in charge. Anyway, uh, sometime in the eighties though, a little chappy called Vernon, Vernon Howell mm. shows up. The famous Vernon Howell. I feel like knowing the name Vernon Howell will help you on a trivia quiz at some point. Yeah. yeah. Vernon Howell. Remember that. <laughs> Vernon Howell, a.k.a. David Koresh. Dun, dun, dun. So, should we press pause there on... I'd say that even knowing the name David Koresh will probably win you a trivia contest at some point. Yeah, maybe. Knowing Vernon of... Howell's going to get you a bonus point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Knowing Vernon Howell's going to get you a reputation. <laughs> <laughs> Both as someone who knows too much yeah. about the Branch Davidians, but also <laughs> as someone, the, that dickhead who contests points. Yeah. If, wow. If Actually, the answer is who was the head of the Branch Davidians at the Waco siege and someone goes... Uh, David Koresh. David Koresh, you go, like, uh, actually... <laughs> you'll find out. Actually. Yeah. And then you're asked not to come back to Trivia Night. Yeah. So, let's press pause on the Branch Davidians. Yeah. Let's look at Vernon. Sure. Tell us about Vernon. So, Vernon Howe, he's... 
AKA David Koresh, oh, he's a perplexing character. Because mm. obviously, as you'll see, he was apparently quite charismatic. Mm. Yeah. Charismatic enough to lead people to their deaths. Mm. Yeah. His childhood was a bit rough. He was brought up uh, as a just as a Christian. Uh, I think his grandparents were th- Seventh-day Adventists. His, he was bullied quite severely at school. Mm. His nickname was Mr. Otardo. Is that cause of Mr. Roboto? Probably, probably. Yeah. I don't know. No, but when did that come out? Because this would have been in the 70s that he's been called Uh, Mr. Ricardo. Okay. Predates Mr. Roboto. So Mr. Roboto is named after him. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That'll also help you in trivia. (laughs) (laughs) So he was uh, dyslexic. Yep. Uh, He was also, he had a bad stutter. Mm. But he discovered that he could combat his stutter, much like uh, the scat man. Mm-hmm. Could combat his stutter by scatting. Mm. Uh, Vernon could combat his stutter by replicating the preachers he heard on the radio. So when he would do the sermons, he would he had an amazing memory, mm. and he would memorize these sermons and deliver them with all the fire and brimstone of the preachers on the radio. Right. Can I just a quick aside? If you do have a stutter and you want to either become an evangelical cult leader, yeah, or a scatter, yeah. yeah. Look, I know it's not the coolest thing, but go to the scatting. Yeah, become Do a, the scat. Become a yeah. scat man. Yeah. Not the not the cult leader. Yeah. Don't become yeah. Yeah. So as a quite young like he's quite a young teenager when he's doing this. It's apparently he's very impressive. I don't know why. Ah, they didn't have the internet really at that point, so Yeah. yeah look, like, he's doing stuff. Yeah. He could, could command an audience. Because mm. I guess he's just replicating what has already been proven to be quite popular. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he also, I guess he was overcoming his dyslexia enough to like memorize huge amounts of the Bible. He was a bit of a scripture nerd. Mm. So he was taking it all in. I think that this is maybe part of uh, what helped him down the track with the, the Davidians. Because if there was ever sort of any sort of argument, he could point some sort of thing in the scripture that would back him up. Yeah. Mm. Imagine if you imagine if you could memorize the Bible. Mm. How often you could actually do that. You'd be like that annoying guy. Yeah. It'd be great to do it as a non-Christian. Mm. Memorize the Bible and just whip that out to annoy people. Yeah. Well, as they say in Corinthians 7 whatever. Um yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of reading though. Yeah. Big book, lots of words. Yeah. Too many begats at the start. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, he ends up uh, living with his grandparents for a while and he becomes a, a Seventh-day Adventist. And while he's there, he does uh, knock up a young lady. Oh. this is I think he's still a teenager at this point himself. Uh, and so is she. Although this does um, start an unfortunate trend <laughs> in his life of <laughs> having sex with teenagers. Uh he wants to do the honest thing and marry her. Uh, all of the Seventh-day Adventist elders are like, no, that's fine. Just go away. Yeah. He really presses the point. He thinks, you know, in the Bible it says that I should be marrying this woman. And so when they tell him to get fucked, he's like, ah, oh, you're all hypocrites. Mm. Like, I feel like he is partly a hypocrite for doing the deed in the first place. Yeah. Sure, I, I mean, I don't know the Greek Bible verses, but I feel like they all 
no sex before marriage is a pretty core tenant of Christians and Adventists, right? Yeah, he does He does a lot of sinning as the okay. years go on. Mm. And he justifies it because even Christ was a sinner. Yeah. Mm. And so... Doesn't he, it sort of become his thing that he's doing all the sinning for everyone else? Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that literally yeah. becomes his thing. So he calls himself the ultimate sinner or something. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's the sinning messiah. Yeah. So Jeez, he leaves. He leaves the Seventh Day Adventists and he he rocks up at Mount Carmel, where the Lois and George Roden are locked in this power struggle right. for the uh, control of the Branch Davidians. And then suddenly uh, this um, super cute, uh, long-haired musician, Vernon Howe, shows up. And what does he do? Yeah, I think bloody seduces Lois. <laughs> so uh, is, at this point, is that place, is Mount Carmel still just like a little village? Yeah, it's well, I think it's still, it's a, it, I'm not sure that he massively compounded. Because at, po- at one point it was just l- like a little tiny villagey thing right and then mm. they basically scrapped all the houses and used all the wood to build this massive compound okay i don't know why where that happened on the timeline whether he come in and was like all right let's go mm. let's do this and built his big fucking thing mm. it was a cool building yeah was there a swimming pool out the back yeah i saw the aerial shots and it looked like a really cool swimming pool yeah it was hard to tell i think it was but the yeah the shots i saw of it it looked like it was in it needed a bit mm. of chlorine in it it's a bit gross looking. Yeah. Anyway. So he shows up. He, David Creature's Sewing Pool would, might be a good name for a band. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. He seduces Lois. <laughs> they, start, they start having a... They become very close, as I saw it euphemistically referred to. Right. Uh, he gets her pregnant. Oh, she's that like, close, eh? Hey? She's like 60 years old. Okay. Uh, He's gone both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit weird. I don't know if it was this person or... If it was a seventy, some other seventy-year-old woman, it might have been this, where I saw an explanation because people say he said that he was God, hmm. and I saw that there was a bit in court where they're talking about you know you impregnated this this old woman. He's like, I impregnated a seventy-year-old woman. Well, I'd have to be God then, wouldn't I? Right. And then he just wink at the camera. <laughs> well, his, his defenders say that that was like. Something that got taken out of context for him believing that he was God himself. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Because then they, there was like, yeah, he thinks he's God, he thinks he's Jesus, but he thought he was a Messiah. Mm. Which is, I learned is different. Oh, really? Watching some a documentaries be- and dramatized versions. Of like- <laughs> so would a Messiah, does that mean like starting a new religion? A Messiah is someone who brings people to God. Mm. So his job was bringing his followers to God, not okay. that he was God. Yeah, yeah. He had some trials and tribulations to go through before he could do that, though. Yeah. Uh, eventually, uh, just things get too tense over at Mount Carmel. Uh, George Roden uh, starts carrying a gun around. <laughs> uh, Lois really didn't want him to be in charge, but I think I think she dies, and then he right. takes over and he kicks Koresh out because the the group is really split between the people like, oh, let's go with Koresh. And the other people are like, who at the time is still Hal. And the people who are like, oh, let's go with the slightly crazy dude who started carrying a gun. <laughs> so Hal and some of his followers are kicked out. Yeah. And they go to a nearby town of Palestine, Texas, in Exodus. Yep. 
And they hang out there for a while doing their thing. I think they give themselves like a slightly different name. Mm. Like they're... The Twig Davidians. <laughs> I think they're like, we're the Davidian branch Davidians. Yeah, right. right. You know, it cracks me up on that that video of Bill Hicks at the compound, how he keeps saying over and over again, I'm here at Mount Carmel complex of the branch Davidians offshoot seventh day Adventist Yahweh division. (laughs) (laughs) He just keeps saying various (laughs) intonations of that. It's fucking like, oh man. So standing there off his nut. Yeah. (laughs) Even with Hal gone, uh, George is still not happy. There's still too many people moping around complex being like oh I wish Vernon was here to play us a little song mm-hmm. did you listen to any of his jams uh, I didn't no, no. Well, I listened to a couple of them not bad songs mm. he wrote yeah yeah right better or worse than Charles Manson uh, I think he I think better okay if we had to rank cult music mm-hmm. I would rank uh, Vernon above Charlie hmm. right. if you know out there of any other cult leaders that have put out hot jams let us know. Yeah. We'll Char- rank them too. <laughs> Charles Manson's big advantage, of course, was he had a Beach Boy on hand. Yeah. And he had a Beach Boy to steal all of his songs. Yeah. I reckon if, if Vernon Howe had, like, someone from Blood, Sweat and Tears or something to do his music, it would have been pretty good. <laughs> I don't even know what Blood, Sweat and Tears is. What's that? That's another band. Okay. Never heard of them. Like Earth, Wind and Fire? They were a, they were a band. They were of a similar sort of vintage to the Beatles. Okay. They were like a sort of a jazzy rock band. Mm. I've got a whole theory about how if Charles Manson had gotten into Blood, Sweat, and Tears instead of the Beatles, he might have succeeded. But that's for another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if there's anything in a band doing a cover album just of all songs written by cult leaders? I'm copywriting that idea right do you, now. By do the way, do you want to then pay royalties to cult leaders? Well, no, surely they wouldn't get him because it's like proceeds of crime. Yeah. yeah. I just do it to dead ones. Yeah, dead ones. Yeah, okay. And then if anything, it goes to their family who are probably like, fuck, I can't believe my dad was a crazy cult leader. <laughs> so anyway, uh, George is getting a bit grumpy because people are going, oh, I wish Vernon was here. And eventually he challenges him <laughs> to a resurrect off. Okay. Whoa. He, uh, he digs up a body of a... One of their members who died like 20 years previously and puts it out in the back shed and calls him out. He says, Vernon, come here. And we're both going to pray over this body. And whoever brings it back to life gets to be the leader of the Branch Davidians. I really liked hearing about this. Not for the body, the grave desecration. That's not great. But the fact that someone's so confident in their abilities... (laughs) The, like, let's, all right, let's throw down. Yeah. Shit, you've got to admire that. Yeah. yeah. So, George throws down the, yeah. the gauntlet mm. and starts praying. Yeah. Starts getting to work on resurrecting the body. Vernon, such a dog act. What a what an absolute dog. Mm. Calls the cops. <laughs> what a narc. He's a total narc. He calls the cops and he's like, uh, uh, just wanted to let you know, old George... Over at Mount Carmel, he's only bloody desecrated a grave. Go get him for tampering with a corpse. And the cops are like, we can't do that. You need proof. I think it was Halloween. Right. And so maybe they thought it was like some sort of elaborate Halloween prank. You know, the Branch Davidians famous for their pranks. Yeah. (laughs) 
But uh, they said, we can't do anything without proof that there's a body. You can't just... And we've got to see the body as well. You can't just show us a photo of a coffin. Head out to the shed. He's over it praying. Also, yeah. I feel like if I'm a cop and someone said, someone has challenged me to a resurrect off. No. <laughs> oh, I do not have time for this. <laughs> I think that's basically what it was. Yeah. They're like, we don't have time for this. Come back when you've got proof. And it can't just be a photo of a coffin. Yeah. It's got to be a photo of the body. Yeah. All right. And he wouldn't kill you to resurrect it while you're there. Yeah. And maybe just save everyone some time. But anyway, so Vernon and his crew were like, all right, let's go get the proof. So they set out to Mount Carmel to take photos. Of course, they bring guns. Mm. You got to bring guns. When they get there, even though he did invite him to come and do this, Mm. I guess uh, George was not happy to see him because a shootout commences. Mm. Well, I think nobody actually gets killed. No. I... George got shot, didn't he? Uh, or maybe grazed? Yeah. There was, I think there was a wounding. Yeah, Roden was wounded. Mm. Um, Roden was advised of the interlopers when they turned up. So he grabbed an Uzi oh. and they had a gunfight. Uh, after about 20 minutes, the sheriff's department rocks up. And they're like, uh, everyone just stop shooting. Yep. <laughs> Put down the Uzis. Uh, so I think they eventually surrendered. Yeah. Um, but then they were tried. Uh, they were charged with attempted murder. Mm. But all found, all acquitted except for Vernon, mm. who the jury could not reach a verdict. So he gets right. off as well. It's bloody charisma. So everybody gets off. Uh, George, I think at the same time, either in this legal dispute or in another one, had submitted something to the court with so much obscenity in it that he was jailed for contempt of court. <laughs> <laughs> so he went away for long enough. How in this situation does the only person that get jailed get jailed for swears? <laughs> <laughs> he got put away for a little bit, which was long enough for Vernon to take over. Mm. He then went away for a lot longer because he... I think he... While he was not... So he's left... Well, he gets out and he leaves Mount Carmel. He's not there anymore. And he's staying with someone. I think he thought his roommate was trying to kill him. Mm. And I believe he murders the roommate with an axe. Yeah, he does. He kills someone with an axe. And that's kind of the end of his story. Yeah, well, he, he says that uh, Koresh had sent them. Mm. Uh, but he's... I don't think he gets tried. He gets put in a mental institution. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, insanity. Plead insanity or yeah. whatever. That's yeah. all right. Yeah. That's you done. Yeah. <laughs> I pleaded insanity. You saw me the other week. I was bloody trying to resurrect the body. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm killing people with axes. <laughs> Not a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty much the end of his story. He stayed in uh, the asylum for the rest of his life. He did escape a few times. Uh, after everything goes down, he's like, I told you guys. And it's like, yeah, but you also killed a guy with an axe. <laughs> and you did try and oozy them. Yeah. Uh, he ends up dying. You can't take the moral high ground here. Yeah. He died in like 1998. Yeah. Uh, right. After escaping and I guess maybe just died from the weather or from a heart attack or something. Hmm. Anyway, uh, Vernon now has control mm-hmm. of, the, of the group. He goes on a little bit of a world tour. He goes to Australia. Yeah. Hey. He goes to Israel. He goes to... I think he goes to the West Indies. It's while he's in Israel, though, that uh, he... This is, I guess, the big turning point in his life. Uh, the spirit of Christ enters in and takes over his body. 
Jeez. And he becomes David Crash. But he take me out for a drink first. <laughs> <laughs> so he says that uh, some sort of spirit took over him. Yep. And uh, he realizes that he is, yeah, the new Messiah. Uh, he there's a bunch of different things that people say he said he was. Mm. So he some people say he was the resurrection of uh, Cyrus, who was like a prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people say he said he was Jesus. Some people say he said he was God, the Lamb of God. Yeah. So in Revelation, uh, the Lamb opens the seven seals. Mm. That are of the text that are, brings about the end of the world. Yep. So it's a lamb with seven horns and seven, seven eyes. eyes. Yeah. That's, it's supposed to be a metaphor, though, right? Yeah, I believe so. Because I saw that there's heaps of paintings that have been done throughout the ages. Yeah. Where they've just got this little sheep having, having a little read of the book. And it's like, <laughs> what's going on, guys? Sheep's can't read. No. no. They probably can't even really open seals either. They just like bash them with their hooves yeah. a little bit. They could break the wax, yeah. but they couldn't no. fully open it. So, yeah, Koresh, whatever he believed he was, he definitely believed that he was the one to open the seven seals. Mm. And so I think he reckoned he got through four of them. Yeah, I think at this point, I don't know if I don't know if he had opened those seals, but those ones were open and he was opening the fifth Mm. or something. Well, the fifth seal was opening when the armies of Babylon come to the door Mm. or whatever. Mm. That was what he was preparing. So I guess we talked about this in one of our apocalyptic episodes, but the seven seals, uh, when the first seal is broken, the the first horse of the apocalypse Mm. emerges and then the second and then the third and then finally the fourth and uh, the pale rider and his name was Death. He brought hell with him. Mm. What an epic story. Mm. But then, yeah, there's a... I think there's earthquakes in one of them. Yeah. Is that when all the pestilence and stuff comes? Yeah. Well, that's that's old worldy Bible stuff, right? Uh, Didn't that already happen? Plague and pestilence? Don't know. No, I think the... Well, there's plagues and things in the Old Testament, but yeah, yeah, this is when they get back to the good shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's holed up. He's opening these seals like a madman. Yeah. Preaching to whoever he can. Serenading. Come and join him. Serenading as well. Mm. Just getting people on his side. Yeah. Sounds all pretty pretty good to me. It is, it's weird. Because he was one of these like psychos, right? Yeah. He, he was like an apocalyptic end times gun nut mm. guy. But he, was also, he loved his jams. Mm. Yeah. Everyone can appreciate a hot jam. Yeah. I watched the the doco that was made in like 98 or whatever about Waco. Mm. Didn't once mention that he fucking loved to jam out. Yeah, so I watched... So the one you watched on SBS, was it? Uh, yeah, so there's a doco on SBS and then there's the new dramatised show, Waco. Yeah, so I watched a different doco to the one on SBS, but apparently the writer, one of the original writers of your one, yeah. had a just falling out with the writers of, of it. And so he... Wrote, did his own one. Right. So I think it was similar when you watched. Ah, okay. It was interesting though. Yeah. But again, no mention of him jamming No, out. the first... Well, I mean, when he's... There's footage of him preaching in his church mm. 
And you can see that he's got Marshall stacks and stuff behind yeah, him. And yeah. I was like, fucking sweet amps. <laughs> but like, you never saw, they never showed him playing music. Yeah. It was only when I started watching the show. Yeah, yeah. When he, he's doing pub covers gigs. Yeah. And I was like, it's, Jesus. No, he's knocking out of my Sharona. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was, I mean, that was part of his thing was to go out and like spread the gospel through music. Because my Sharona, praise Jesus. Because <laughs> part of the thing was like they needed uh, like 144,000 people needed to be in the group for them to like open up some of these seals. Right. Jeez, good Which ambitions. Was, and, well, this was the that's a good ambition, but it was maybe an unrealistic one because this was the original ambition of the guy in 1929. Okay, was yeah. like, all right, I'm going to get like, 144,000 people together, and we're gonna, we're going to be ready for the end of the world. All right. And so, like, day one, he had 12 people, right? Mm. So, he must have been thinking, all right, got 12 people on the first day. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. It's like... <laughs> if I extrapolate this, <laughs> I should... Was he like, and if those 12 people each yeah. get 12 people... <laughs> if we continue this trend... Yeah. Anyway, like, 30 years later, like, 20 years I later or whatever... I just see him looking at a graph. He's got, like, 12 on the first. He's like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, 20 years later, they had 50 yeah. So by that point, surely they should have been like, let's maybe look at tweaking yeah. some of these uh, projections. Yeah. Do we say 144,000 or 144? I can't remember. Let's just go with 144. Plus in that time of gathering 144,000 people, he also needed to bloody knock up and get pump out 28 kids or something, right? 24 kids? <laughs> 24 kids. Did he, was he trying to do it just by himself? <laughs> well, all right. So Koresh has become Koresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got the his little group out there they ended up with like 150 people yeah right. so if they had been allowed to continue uh, well, he would have got his kids yeah so he takes he's comes back from israel he says he's the second coming he starts preaching that he's the messiah mm. and everyone's like oh yeah that tracks mm-hmm. he comes up with a thing called new light this is a he starts coming up with prophecies I think he'd, he'd been talking prophecies for a while, but now he's like, these are proper prophecies, guys. Mm. One of the things he comes up with is this thing called New Light, where every member of the church has to be married to the church and not to each other, mm. except all of the women have to be married to him. Yeah. And none of the men and the women are allowed to live together. Yeah. So everyone gets segregated by gender uh, or by sex. And then he's like, and everyone should, all the ladies, come on, let's go. Yeah. He's got to have, uh, yeah, he, he needs to have 24 children in order to bring about something. Yeah, the, the 24 children were going to be the new uh, elders of the new society of the new world, the leaders of the new world. Once the, once the apocalypse had happened, mm. his 24 kids would be the leaders. Okay. Yeah. And... He got he knocked through a fair few. Yeah, I think he had a few kids. <laughs> he, had, he had like fifteen kids. Right. And then I think was he married to some of the kids as well? Did well, things get incestual? I don't know if they got incestuous, but the, his first wife was fourteen years old. Okay. At the thing. And then he also married her sister, who yeah. was younger than her. Hmm. That's not ideal. No. Yeah. Uh, he came up with a. This is such a classic bit of Koresh sex trickery. Uh, he pointed to Psalms 45 as uh, why everyone needed to get on his dick, mm. uh, which is that... Uh, thou must get on your thou's leader's <laughs> dick. Well, in Psalms 45, they uh, anoint the head of the king with, uh, I think, their goodly 
goodly oils or pussy g- juice or glorious glad oils. Pussy juice. Well, this is the thing. He's like <laughs> steady on black ops. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the, the oils are obviously lady juices. Yeah. And when they say anoint the head of the king, they don't mean the one on his neck. <laughs> uh, they mean anoint his dick. So everybody. And everyone's like, yep, that, that tracks. That makes sense, David. Yeah, yeah. And your name is David, who was like the king. Yeah. Now, whatever happened to that Howl fella? Anyway. <laughs> so he's just sleeping with everyone. He, he's sleeping with children, uh, which is not good. No. No. None of this is good, to be honest, but no, no. that is... We, we have laughs. Yeah. We have some chuckles. Yeah. But it was fucking awful yeah. what was going yeah. on out there. Yeah. Uh, there is an, there's another sort of bit of a power struggle brewing. Mm. He kicks a guy out who then goes and knocks on everyone. Yeah. Everything they're doing. The other thing that they're doing is uh, stockpiling a lot of guns. Yes. Mm. So they, they actually had a gun shop. Yeah. What was it called again? Yeah. <laughs> Funny little name. It was like Mags. Mags? Yeah, Bags Mags? Mags yeah. Bags? Something like that. It was Bags of Mags, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. And they, they dealt guns at gun shows and stuff. So, there's, two. There's, I think, an argument and a counter-argument here. Because mm. the big thing, the reason they had to be raided is because they're stockpiling all these guns. Yeah. Mm. Now, the argument for them stockpiling all the guns, like the legitimate reason why they might have had them, is because they... Ran, a gun shop. They ran a gun shop, <laughs> mm. and the way they made money was they'd buy guns and then they'd sell them off. Yeah, mm. and so which is pretty legitimate business. Yeah, yeah. You could say that they had an armory, like a, a, a this huge arsenal mm. of weapons, or you could say they had an inventory of weapons. Yeah, mm. that's what was brought out at the court, the hearings and stuff as well. There was people going, if you own a gun store. You stockpile weapons, but you don't call it a stockpile. You call it your inventory. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, if the name of the shop was Bags and Mags, <laughs> that does sound pretty dodge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there any more dodge than Toys R Us? Yeah, true. Classic successful business. So they've got all of these guns. He's abusing children. This guy gets kicked out and he knocks on everyone. Right. So child protection workers come out. It's just called Mag Bag. All oh, right. With a hyphen in the middle. Right. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, the child protection workers come out to see what the go is. And they go out there and they're like, oh, we can't, we didn't really find anything. Mm. We couldn't find enough to like do anything on. It's like, okay, maybe you could pay a little bit more attention. Mm. But they did notice that there was heaps of guns. And so they report that to the FBI. It's like, so why couldn't you sort out the child, like the child abuse stuff? Mm. Mm. Or even just having an arsenal of guns, however you want to call it, around Mm. so many kids as well. You know, you don't want your kid in the... As we saw with the kid that shredded the money, Mm. you don't want to leave kids around dangerous things Mm. because kids are idiots. Yeah. There was a... uh, Watching the hearings on the docker, there was a lot of stuff about the ATF... And the child abuse stuff as well. And it seemed like the ATF didn't really want to have to... Well, it's not in their wheelhouse to deal with child abuse issues. Yeah. So it's mm. like they kind of just didn't bother about it. Yeah. And they were like, well, why don't you... There's all these kids being abused. Why don't you do something about it? And they were like, it's not our problem. Yeah. We're all about guns. Yeah. We're but- alcohol, tobacco, firearms. <laughs> yeah. I, nothing else. It's the problem with the people that literally already palmed this off. Yeah. So the child protection workers reported it to the FBI... 
the FBI was like, Ugh, what are you reporting guns to us for? Obviously, the ATF is in charge of that. Mm. Everyone should know that. Ruby Ridge just happened. You should know who does guns. Mm. Fucking don't bother us with this again. Mm. Yeah. All right? Meanwhile, the ATF are going through like a fucking Public PR nightmare. nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets reported to the ATF and the ATF start an investigation. Now, so there is a theory that the reason that they go so gung-ho on this is because they fucked up so badly at Ruby Ridge. Yeah. They also, they're in the midst of like a bunch of sex discrimination lawsuits from employees. Right. I think there was a bunch of uh, female and Asian and maybe African-American as well. Agents have been passed over for promotions and things. Right. So it doesn't look great at the ATF mm. and they need to go to Congress to ask for their funding to be renewed. Right. And they probably want more funding as well. Mm. Yeah. And it's a Democrat Congress and they're going to be like, didn't you just kill a family and <laughs> you've got all this shit going on? Why should we give you more money? So the theory is that they're like, you know what we, we can do? We'll clear out these white Christian fundamentalists, mm. sort that out. And when we go to the Democrats, they'll be like, oh, thank you for saving us from the evil white men. Yeah. What we really need is a good siege. Yeah. <laughs> Worked for us well last year. Let's try it again. Well, they didn't want to do a siege. They just wanted to do a raid. Yeah. Mm. So the theory is, though, that they're like, all right, this will make us look good to the Democrats and we'll walk away with bags of cash. Everyone's going to be happy. So, so they start investigating them. They uh, have undercover agents living across the street mm. from the compound. Uh, some college students, thirty-year-old mm. college students. <laughs> Something I read said just sort of how uh, unbelievable it was. Like, yeah. did you what? Did you you watch any of the dramatized show? No, I watched a little bit of it. Hated okay. it. So, I, I oh, really loved what I saw. Yeah, that's what I loved about yeah, okay. it. <laughs> um, John Leguizamo plays the guy who lives across the road. One of the is undercover that, guys, is that Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Oh, that was one of their names. Was Rodriguez? Oh, I don't know. I maybe. I'll just be racist and say it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, the Koresh notices them moving in and they go over there and the, inside this little hovel of a shack, they've just got all this surveillance equipment and big cameras <laughs> pointing out like straight across the street at the thing. And uh, they come over with beer and pizza to welcome to the neighborhood and the undercover guys just like, we're ranchers. <laughs> and they're like oh that's interesting you know we were just talking about you know how many Texas Longhorn cattle can you have on per acre we couldn't remember was it 6 or 12 uh. or... and he's like uh oh I'm just a businessman <laughs> my partner knows all about that so yeah so they set it up that it looked like it was actually really fucking not very well yeah they weren't very well undercover yeah I, th I think their cover was that they were college students right but they weren't like going to class, yeah, or any sort of normal schedule. Yeah, and plus, you know how like the university is miles away from here, <laughs> and yeah. you never see me leave. <laughs> so, but one of them go goes over and befriends people in the group, and he's they bring him in. But I, I'm fairly sure they knew he was undercover, right? They yeah, yeah. I think they traced the someone in the Davidians knew someone who worked for the Department of Transport or something and they traced there was a bunch of cars and they all tracked back to one government building <laughs> somewhere <laughs> but when they're having the guy over I don't know if they're like trying to get anything out of him or if they're like you know maybe if this guy hangs out with us enough 
he'll realize we'll turn him. We're, we're, yeah, maybe we will turn him because we've got to get 144,000 people. Yeah, we really need to get anyone we can. We can't be picky. <laughs> yeah, uh, Koresh sort of had the, his idea of when the world was going to end was like 1997, right. so he needed to pick up the pace. Mm, given yeah. that they'd had 70, 70 or so years to get up to 144, and they'd only managed 150. Yeah. Mm. So. They're doing that. Uh, the ATF are going around asking questions. Besides having like these undercover guys, they're not being subtle at all about their investigation. <laughs> they're going to like other gun shops and asking about them. Uh, a guy who sold them most of their guns, they went and questioned him about them. And uh, he called up Koresh and said, look, the ATF are here asking about your guns and stuff. And Koresh said, tell them to come on down. Mm. Uh, just tell them to come over and I'll show them that we're not hiding anything. We're just running a gun shop. Mm. It's all cool. They don't do that though. Yeah. Don't ask. Don't, also, don't tell them to ask about the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, ATF, not ATF. K. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> so that going, just going over for a chat doesn't really gel with a, a nice big raid. Mm. No. So eventually they uh, decide... They're going to raid the property. They put together this, I guess, affidavit uh, to get a search warrant. There's heaps of shit in there. So there's a bit about the guns because I guess they'd noticed that they were buying grenades. They were buying stuff that you could sort of use to convert AR-15s into fully automatic Mm. weapons. There's also stuff in there, like the thing they submitted to the courts that doesn't track. So they said that there was like a 50 cal machine gun, which is not a thing. Mm. Uh, they there was like um stuff about guns where they're like oh they've bought this part and this part which you can use to do something together to but like that's not really how they work. <clears throat> was, <laughs> Playing too many video games. Yeah, Monkey Island was big at the time. There was also stuff about the child <laughs> abuse in their application. Yep, which but that's not relevant to what they were doing. Mm. They also had a whole heap of stuff about drugs in there. So that's right. They thought they were cooking up meth. meth. Yeah. Now, it's not like meth had never been cooked mm. up at Mount Carmel. <laughs> <laughs> there had been a little bit of a meth lab there when George was in charge. Okay. This might explain... Bloody George. Yeah. <laughs> this oh. might explain some of the uh, the Resurrect-Off stuff. Yeah. On, on meth. There is a suggestion that maybe Koresh was on meth as well, which would okay. explain some stuff. Mm. And he was going around, even though, you know, obviously they were like, no drugs, no alcohol, blah, blah, blah. He was taking on all the sin of the world. Yeah. Just like Christ did, but in a more literal sense. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to bang all the ladies and do all the meth. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure Christ, buddy. Smoked a couple of pipes every now and then. <laughs> so they did have some like uh like heat you know, heat cameras mm-hmm. that showed like one spot where they thought the meth lab might be, where there was like a lot of heat. Right. Which maybe there could have been a meth lab. Yeah. Uh, I think Koresh's brother also was a massive meth addict. Right. Mm. Do you ever see that news story where there was somewhere in England where people, some dudes had a big like weed growing thing in their roof and the cops realised because like all the roofs on the street had snow on them and then one roof oh, was just yeah. completely <laughs> melted like <laughs> <Yeah>. no snow. <laughs> so the reason they put so much stuff about drugs in there is I think that if you could tie the whole thing into the war on drugs, mm. you could get all of that military hardware. Yeah, right. Because that was, there was a war on drugs going on mm. that Clinton was running. 
And so you, if you could say there was some sort of drug angle, you would get the, yeah. the tanks and shit. I think that probably tied into like the whole Rico thing as well. Like again, like organized crime. I think if you could tie drugs into something, yeah, it became such a much bigger conviction. Mm. Mm. So they decide to raid the property. They fuck it up almost immediately. Yeah, I think they they fucked up in the planning because they were like, "We need we need good PR on this." Yeah, let's get our PR lady onto it, and she started like calling the press. Yeah, saying, "Yeah, we might need a we might need some camera dudes down at Mount Carmel in a few days." Yeah, they it's like what? They why? Really McKelly cashed it. <laughs> so there was there was a few problems. The the local paper had been working on a big story about what was going on out at uh, Mount Carmel with mm. like child abuse and Koresh being this super sleazy, dodgy dude. Mm. Uh, the ATF were like, don't print that because mm. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a raid yeah. and you can come along if you like. Yeah, But don't print that just yet. But then they kept on like changing the date that they were going to do the raid and at some point it just got massively confused and they printed the, they printed the article. <laughs> so that was on the day mm. that came out. So... They get their morning paper and there's the Sinner's Messiah, I think was the yeah. the headline. And there's a big photo of Koresh with his pedo glasses. Mm. <laughs> Which, by the way, it should have been... Why did they need to fill up this affidavit with all this stuff? Just yeah. say, look at his glasses. His glasses <laughs> say everything. <sighs> I saw one description of him was he was like a... He, was like, he had like the looks of a rock star. Like what rock star looks like this? Yeah. Like he, he has the look of like one of the a pedo rock star. <laughs> he wasn't un. He was pretty handsome. It's like Gary Glitter. Yeah, nah, he's handsomer than Gary Glitter. He's got Gary Glitter good looks. He had the Phil Spector vibe going on. <laughs> anyway, uh, so this article comes out. The other thing is the TV news guys are there to follow the ATF in. Yeah, but they get lost on the way. Yeah, they should just ask for directions. They do. They, they ask the postman for directions. Who was like Koresh's brother-in-law, which is not hard because he's how many brother-in-laws do you have when you have that many wives? Yeah. yeah. But he's a the postman's a branch Davidian, and he's like, he calls up David. He's like, it's weird. A TV news camera crew was like, oh, can you point us the way to Mount Carmel? <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a big raid going down. Do you know where it's going to be? <laughs> and so they know they know they've been surveilled. They know that the ATF has been going around asking about stuff. Now there's a camera crew. Getting ready. Getting ready to come out. So they know they're coming. Uh, and they... Koresh goes and talks to the undercover cop. Yeah. Across the road, he says, I know that you guys are about to raid us. Uh, let's not do that. And the undercover cop's like, yep, nah, good point. Because we've lost the element of surprise, which was the big selling point of this raid. Mm. Let's call it off. And he tries to tell them to call it off, but yeah. I guess it was too far... Let's start it. They're like, oh, we've already put on all the yeah. tactical I've got gear. my vest yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> like, all the guys are already in the cattle truck. <laughs> Do you know how long it takes to put all this stuff on? And then they, yeah, they roll in. They roll in and everything goes wrong. So the ATF roll in is where it all goes wrong. Uh, and this is the big point of contention is who shot first. Mm. And Han not, Solo. Mm. <laughs> nobody knows. But uh, a shootout ensues between the ATF and the Branch Davidians. 
Uh, I don't. Did you guys watch? Did you guys come to a conclusion about who shot first? Who do you think shot first? <laughs> oh, my like, assumption is the ATF did. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of confusion because they climbed up onto a roof, right? Yeah, and then started throwing flashbangs and things in the window. Yeah, so I think that in itself is pretty antagonistic. Mm. I watched so I watched a documentary called Waco: The Big Lie, mm. which uh, takes a certain view of things. Yeah, right. Uh, it did pill me a little bit in some bits. I don't, there's a, some footage of them doing the initial breach. And there's an ATF agent climbing a ladder mm. up to the roof. And they say that you can see in the footage he shoots himself in the leg. Okay. Right. Uh, but then he con- he continues up the roof. Mm. Uh, it does look like he accidentally shoots himself. Mm. Is this the guy that then struggles to break the window out? Yeah. And like keeps like falling over while he's trying to pull the curtains? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just looks really clumsy. And- okay. So I, could, so I could buy the theory that they accidentally, one of the ATF guys accidentally mm. discharged their weapon. Yeah. And that's kicked off whatever. So that, that's where my, my thinking of the AT, it was the ATF comes in is that there were so many people there. Mm. Everyone was super high tension. They were like super like fucking rearing to go. Surely someone accidentally fired their gun. Yeah. Well, I don't I, think they intentionally shot first, but mm. I would say that's probably what, hap- what would have happened. Yeah. But like even, let's say a gun goes off by accident. Then anyone could just start firing because if you're the ATF, you think that the Branch Davidians have just shot. Mm. And if you're the Branch Davidians, you think, all right, these guys have just shot. And the thing with the Branch Davidians is that they thought that it was, you know, it was the armies of Babylon on their doorstep were coming to get them. That's mm. literally what they thought. Because yeah. Koresh, even though they were running a gun business and that they were. They had an inventory rather than a stockpile. They also had a, it was a bit of a, a stockpile. Oh yeah, because mm. they thought that part of the end of the world was that there's gonna ha- they were gonna have to fight off yeah an army. Mm. Well, the the heavily armed ATF that rocked up had to retreat right because they ran out of bullets. Yeah, the Branch Davidians didn't run out of bullets. So, so yeah, that I guess that <laughs> the, the first encounter um, it was a long shootout. I think like twenty minute shootout or fifty minute shootout. I think it was two hours. Oh. They shot the ATF shot at the compound for two hours. Yeah, cool. Mm. So then they started running out of bullets. They one of them was already killed. Yeah. Because he jumped through one of them jumped through the window and right. got killed. So they're like, ah, this sucks. We're we're not winning. They've got way more bullets. So they retreat. And I think they they come to an agreement where, hey, we're gonna retreat. Can we come and get the body? Yeah. Until they all just kind of chill out for a bit. Yeah. I think four ATF agents were shot mm. and six Branch Davidians are killed. Mm. I think a couple of the Branch Davidians were like accidentally killed by other Branch Davidians. Mm. Yeah. And Koresh is Koresh's shot, right? In this yeah. first shootout. Koresh gets shot, uh, I think once in the arm yeah. and once in the hip. In the hip, yeah. And so he thinks he's dying. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody drama queen. Yeah. <laughs> there's a... and it has, Yeah. There's footage of him like lifting up his shirt yeah, and you see it. the bullet hole. It's quite yeah. cool. He just does it casually, like, mm, yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, this is one of the holes. Yeah. Just a little hole in my side. Yeah. You might remember somebody else who had a little hole in their side oh. around oh. the end of their life. Jesus. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Thanks for, for rolling that up. Just Robo. making sure everyone knows. Yeah. So, in Waco, the big lie, they show the ATF guys shooting at the compound. And it seems to me that they're shooting at the walls and the windows or anything with no regard for what might be behind them. Mm. Uh, Because there are, you know, there's families in there. There's little kids. Yeah. Now, Koresh had, like, gotten all of the women and children to, like, go hide 
somewhere safe because he mm. knew that the raid was coming. They had a concrete room in the mm. kitchen. But I don't know if the ATF knew that. Mm. No. So they're just sort of shooting willy-nilly. But the thing that they... <laughs> the ATF was shooting willy-nilly <laughs> Waco. The thing that gets brought up in Waco, the big lie, uh, is you can't see... When the ATF is shooting, you can't see any bullets coming from the Branch Davidians. Mm. Like mm. Hit, hitting... There should be bullets hitting the dirt around them. Yeah. Or hitting their cars. You can't see that. Now, it is just a tiny bit of footage. Mm. Out of a two-hour shootout in which you know a bunch of ATF guys did get shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They um on but the that's like the initial shooting. You can't see the bullets coming the other way. Yeah, I think they also at the hearings they're like the door was like metal mm. and it was just riddled with bullets and all of the bullet holes were going inwards. Mm. Right. No one was shooting out from you're, inside. You're not going to shoot at your door if you're inside. Well, yeah. that's the thing. They're like the branch of unions weren't shooting because they're not going to shoot outwards through their walls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then what happens? This is a bit of a bit of a mess we've got ourselves into. Well, so the ATF retreat and it's decided that they'll bring in the feds, the mm. FBI. And thus begins a two month siege. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't did you know that it went on for this long? I never realised. No, I don't know. I never thought about it. I knew it was I long. Yeah. But, and I had seen fifty one days and I was like, fuck, that's pretty long. Mm. But I hadn't really thought of it as basically two months. Yeah. Mm. I guess we're used to like a quick siege. Yeah, two days. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, this was a, a massive siege. I guess because they had... Well, they didn't really have that much food or anything stockpiled. Because they end up going very hungry. Mm. Uh, can't eat bullets. No, you mm. can't. And you can't drink bullets. And it's been suggested that uh, if they just looked at like the... Uh, the weather reports, they could have seen, oh, these guys are going to run out of water mm. and just yeah. waited it out. Maybe that's why the swimming pool looks so empty mm. at the end of the siege footage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. drinking it all. Yeah. Drinking the swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> so it, by the end of it, they were rationing themselves to like eight ounces of, of water a day, right? Mm. Which is what? 200 and something mils? Yeah. So they're just about ready to come out Yeah. at the end, but uh, no. Uh, the, yeah, the siege is weird. So they bring in the FBI and they're like, oh, all right, well, Ruby Ridge was such a great success. Let's get some of the same people in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think the same like fed that ran Ruby Ridge was running this one. They yeah. had the, the sniper from Ruby Ridge that, yep. that shot the Lon, life was there. Lon Hariuchi. Yeah. Same negotiator. I, it was weird because I saw a thing that suggested, I think in one of the fictional movies they make it the same guy but I don't know right. if it actually was yeah that's where I'm getting my facts from because mm. it was in that one same yeah. guy oh yeah, yeah yeah I saw a thing saying uh, I did look up a thing that was about all of the MK Ultra people that were involved oh yeah and how they'd sent in the reason they'd sent in MK Ultra undercover people who were building some sort of a gas bomb that they were going to use in on like a major city Mm. And then they had to stop that. It's like, well, don't send in MK Ultra mm. to do that if you then have to go in and kill them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was also a suggestion that, uh, that there was a World War Two sort of era runway, like airfield nearby, that uh, the CIA might have been using for drug trafficking. Yeah. Uh. That uh, the Branch Davidians might have gotten wise to. Mm. And so they had to go in and shut them down because of that. But I did see a suggestion that Lon Horiuchi was chosen as a sniper because uh because he was Japanese American, he the CIA had like 
pinned him as someone who wouldn't mind shooting some white people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair... That was, the, that was the profile they'd built of him. There is precedent in Ruby Ridge, so... Yeah. Just like... Didn't do anything to disprove them during Ruby Ridge. Why don't you give some of these... Anyone who was at Ruby Ridge, give them a little break on the next siege. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. On your next big siege. Yeah. So they did lots of weird stuff, though. I guess they were like, what we learned at Ruby Ridge is we don't know how to deal with the siege. Mm. Let's just try everything. So they... Uh, quite early in the piece, they cut the power. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also start beaming in like huge bright lights through the windows all night yeah. so that no one can sleep. Uh, they play music. Uh, did you say you listened to a little uh, soundtrack? A oh, little no, I looked up what, what they were playing and it was nothing too dramatic. These His boots, boots are, are made, made for walking. walking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then someone, I can't remember the name, but it was a Christmas album, got a lot of oh, play. Yeah. Um, Tell you what, if it was bloody Bing Crosby, I'd just be in there loving it. <laughs> um, there was some Tibetan chanting music. Yep. Also be loving it. Yeah. Yep. Get um, them doing like the Beatles. You know, like you get the... The, the covers. Mon- oh, yeah, Monks yeah, yeah. doing a nice Beatles cover. Yeah. Like, yeah. Some sweet jams. Yeah. String quartet version of some Tool albums. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they also had um like a soundtrack of rabbits being slaughtered. Mm-hmm. Mm. What does a rabbit being slaughtered sound like? Because rabbits aren't famously vocal, are they? No. When you slaughter them en masse, I think, you okay. can get a bit of noise. Mm. Fair enough. But maybe not the most helpful thing to pipe in. Mm. I guess they were like, oh, this will, if we're annoying enough, they'll be like, oh, I'll stop, stop. Yeah. But it's like, if you've got a group of people who think they're being beset upon by you know the forces of darkness, mm. maybe like animals dying. Yeah, screaming noises yeah, yeah. and death. <laughs> Let's make the unhinged people way more unhinged. <laughs> yeah. But also, even like the Nancy Sinatra stuff, I love it. That's a great song. Banger. But if you're just drifting off to sleep and suddenly... You're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> but like, let's make these sort of crazy people even crazier. Let's push them to the edge of their craziness. Mm. So let's see how crazy they can get. I still feel like pretty tame songs. What yeah. was it? 93. Mm. There was a lot of stuff out by 93 that you could really cook someone with. That was two years later. They could have blasted in some great metal albums. Yeah. 95, so many good albums come out. Really? Landmark yeah. year for metal. Yeah. But do you reckon that there must have been like some young fed who's like, oh, guys, 92, the year the punk broke. God, <laughs> let's get some no effects in there. Well, I'm thinking like something like the Beastie Boys. Mm. Yeah. Over and over again. You can't play Fight for Your Right to Party in there. They're like, that's what we're doing. Imagine like some of their more annoying songs over and over again. Just over. Oh, you'd, you'd go insane. Well, they, they sent them a little bit loopy. Yeah. Uh, they also, they did try some other weird stuff. Uh, they brought in a Russian psychic. Mm-hmm. The FBI brought in. Uh, what was his name? Igor something. Mm. But, uh. They're like, what can you do for us? And he's like, well, get him on the phone. And while you're doing your normal negotiation, I will send psychic messages down the phone line as God telling them to surrender. And the FBI were like, all right, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> but so we won't even know. They did bring him in. Yeah, right. yeah. It's not like he just showed up. I wonder if, because there was one point where I think Koresh was like, look, I just need to write this thing. Let me write my little seven seals manifesto once i've written it i'll come out yeah he wrote it 
and then was like, I've written it, but actually God's told me to wait. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that was coincided with the psychic and they were like, you did the opposite. <laughs> Get out of here. He also, he said if he could like put something over the radio. Right. Like he would come out. I think part of the negotiations towards the end were they were going to do a global television broadcast. Right. And the feds were going to let him do it. But that didn't come to pass. Yeah. So yeah, he had it was like a Seven Seals manifesto. I think part of the reason why he changed his mind was because he realised that the world wasn't ready for it yet. It was yeah. too, still too much sin. He mm. hadn't done enough sinning to make up for yeah. everyone yet. Let me just stay in here, smoke two more pipes, have like... <laughs> Six or seven more wanks, <laughs> and then maybe I'll come out. All the women are dead, so I'm yeah, yeah. just going to take care of this myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> fucking furious myth at wank. <laughs> Old raw dick courage. Uh, there was a, a lot of other. St- there was a lot of stuff going on. It turned into a bit of a circus, uh, like with Ruby Ridge. A lot of the, like the the Patriot movement mm. or like the far right mm. showed up, especially post Ruby Ridge. This was mm. like the next Ruby Ridge. This was again the government was coming mm. to take these guys as guns. A whole bunch of KKK dudes rock up. Yeah, it's Texas. Yeah. What else are they doing? Um, they didn't even have their hoods on. KKK is here to help. It's like. Oh, <laughs> uh, Bo Gritz showed up. Yep, <laughs> he was going to go in and negotiate, and they're like, "Nah, we don't need you." Yeah. <laughs> Worked once, dude. But fucking come on. Um, Bill Hicks turns up. Yeah, Bill Hicks was there. For, I think he was only there for like a day, right? Yeah, he was uh, there on like day seven. Yeah. So there's a video of him turning up. He's kind of dicking around. Yeah, just like standing there with his mate. Yeah, and he does a whole extended bit about the weather. Mm. Yeah, uh, which I thought was pretty funny. It's because he's he's doing a bit of David Koresh improv. Yeah, but when he runs out of material, he's like, "I got to go back to my weather gear." Yeah, <laughs> for which I'm famous. Um, and that's about all he's up to, really. It's kind of a weird little video. Is is he somewhere different though? Because they make mention of the fact that I think they snuck past the police barricade, mm. and they're at some other area closer to the compound. Yeah, so they keep driving around. From checkpoint to checkpoint, pretty much mm. trying to get someone to let them in. But at some point, like they do end up behind the barricades, mm. but not in that thing yet. Mm. I guess at some point, does Bill Hicks know he's dying at that point? Don't know. Yeah, I don't know. He looked, didn't look unhealthy. Because maybe he was no, just he, like. He, he looked quite young. Yeah. Compared to like one of his latest stand up specials where he looked a bit more. Which wasn't that too far later either. No. No. But maybe he's just like, oh, my ticket's punched. Yeah. What, what harm is he going to do if I go up to the compound? But he doesn't. Hmm. Uh, Alex Jones is there. Yep. He's hanging out with Bo Gritz. There's a weird video of uh, Alex Jones and Bo Gritz at Waco. Right. Alex Jones is just, just carrying on like a pork chop <laughs> as he does doing bits. <laughs> yeah, right. And he looks so much like Bill Hicks. And it's like, <laughs> oh, are we to believe <laughs> That uh, it's a coincidence that you were both here at the same time. I don't know if they were there at the exact same time, which just further yeah. fuels the fire. Yeah, Hicks was there day seven. Fucking Jonesy's there another day. Never seen in the same room. No. Uh, by the end of it, Bill Hicks is in Australia. Yeah, when it finishes, right? And he does, he has like a post uh, siege routine that's on YouTube as well, where mm. he's talking about it. And he gets crazy. Yeah, and he's getting some. Um, 
unearned laughs. <laughs> earned by his years of stand-up. Yeah, not he, for the quality of the jokes he's telling. He does make a bit a joke about um, the underage girls in the compound. Mm. Um, I think he even encourages Koresh. Um, keep up the good work. Yeah, keep that up. Girls yeah, yeah. Got, you know, got the gun, got 12-year-old girls, keep that up. Um, yeah, but creepy, Bill Hicks, considering you've also got an extended bit about having a much younger girlfriend. It's weird because Bill Hicks, one of his points is, you know, they said they were going in for the because of the child abuse, but you never see any charges or anything arising from it. Like, you never hear about it afterwards. It's like, no, we did hear about it. Like, mm, mm. Heaps of the girls that were in there that got out say, yeah, we were abused by David Crash. Mm. Yeah. So he hasn't done his research. Yeah. He's too busy dying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... But yeah, there's this massive circus outside. Eventually, we get to the end of the siege. Uh, I think Clinton, Bill Clinton, was in favour of waiting it out. That was like the smart mm. move to do. Mm. Uh, Janet Reno, who is the, I guess, the Attorney General. Yeah, yeah. She's convinced by the feds that they need to go in yeah. and put a stop to all of this. Mm. Uh, I think that uh, part of what convinces her is they tell her that the children are being beaten. Right. Which there's no evidence that mm. that happened. And like while it was like, while they weren't acting, all of the stuff was still happening. There was child abuse and beatings going on. Mm. Um, yeah. Which is probably not true because mm. they're all like... They're all hunkered down. Yeah. Know. On running out of food. Yeah. Running out of water. Yeah. There's bullets, you know. They're in, they're in a siege that David Crush is like, let's press pause on the child abuse. Yeah. 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 Probably. We've got other priorities at the moment. We'll car park that. We'll yeah. circle back to it later. <laughs> So, Unless he was like, shit, the armies of Babylon are at the door. I've got to pump out another 10 kids. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Let's get fucking. <laughs> so Janet Reno signs off on them going in. Yeah. So they go in with tanks. Yeah. Yep. Bradley tanks. And start like smashing uh, like the outer bits of the compound down. Mm. They run over their cars. Yeah. If There's you, some sick footage. It looks like they're just having fun. Yeah. <laughs> crushing cars like they're at a monster truck show. The... Footage kind of near the end of it, there was just tank tracks everywhere. Yeah. Like they've ripped up the ground um, and they've just barged into the, mm. I think it was like the PE area. Like it was like a gymnasium, gymnasium. part they had. Yeah. Um, so the tanks were retrofitted with these huge like nozzle things on them. Yeah. Pumping in gas. Pumping in CS gas. So yeah, they, they ram, they crush, they pump in gas. Mm. And the plan was, I think, to increase the gas steadily over two days. To the point where they had to come out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so really, they just kind of went in, and like all the women and children in a in a confined space. Mm. So they just get fucking gassed to shit. Yeah. Mm. I think some of them die of the gas. Yeah. So it's CS gas, but usually that's like when you get sprayed with CS gas, it's just a fine powder. Mm. But when they put it in, I think to air, what's it called when you make something aerosol? Mm. To spray it in. The propellant through the tank, they had to mix it with something else. Yeah, okay. So it was mixed with a liquid. So when it was sprayed in as a mist, there was some reaction between the two chemicals they used that made it into this really super high flammable volatile right. <laughs> mixture of shit that they were just pumping constantly into the house. Yeah. Um, so they pump it in. And uh, they're then- also, uh, while they're 
driving up, they've got the big announcements over the loudspeaker saying, we're just going to gas you. We're not going to shoot you. We're not armed. It's yeah. just gas. Just don't. You just come out and don't shoot at us. Yeah. Don't stress. Have a little cough. Rub your eyes. Just come out. Yeah, we're not going to shoot. That is, in context though, that this is on the back of you know a 51 day siege yeah. mm. where they did initially come and shoot them. Yeah. There was also a big thing where some of the helicopters, I think Koresh thought that they'd been shot at from the helicopters that were hanging around. Yeah. Some of the footage kind of suggests that they had been shot at. Have you heard the negotiator tape mm. about this? I read, I just read the transcript of it. Where he back, backpedals so hard. Yeah. David Koresh is like, they were shot at, shooting at us from the helicopters. And the, the guy's like, David, there was n- nobody was shooting from the helicopters. There's not even there guns, was no on, guns the on the helicopters. That's bullshit. You're lying. They were definitely shooting at us. And then he goes a bit quiet. And then he goes, he goes there were no mounted guns <laughs> on the helicopter. That's what I'm saying. There was no mounted guns. But they were shooting at us from the helicopters. Look, all I'm saying is there was no mounted guns. There were men on the helicopter that were really heavily armed, but there was no mounted guns. That's what I'm saying. They didn't mount them on anything. They were shooting at us. Probably they were. <laughs> it's, it's like, fuck, dude. Stick to your story or just be honest. <laughs> also, the, um, what do they call it? The FLIR footage, if yeah, the, which the is the infrared stuff. Infrared. And a lot of that shows basically people and, <laughs> and flashes coming at the same speed of an automatic rifle or a machine gun yeah. kind of thing. Because the FBI said that they never fired a bullet Yeah, the whole in the whole thing. A lot of people got shot to death. Yeah. And there was this footage of flashes coming. Yeah. The docker I watched had really heavy analysis of the the heat vision cameras. And it's like, you can see the tank rolling around and then like, like you would imagine dudes stalking behind the tank. You can see just like little like muzzle flashes Mm. shooting into the building. Mm. Then they kind of run around the side and shoot in through another part. Yeah. Yeah. But then no, they didn't shoot anything. Yeah. So that goes down. And then what happens is that, uh, the compound catches on fire. Yeah. Mm. The compound that's been filled to the brim with like super toxic, highly volatile, highly flammable <laughs> gas. Uh, also, when that gas meets fire, it becomes basically cyanide, cyanide. gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so the, the place catches on fire and uh, I think 21 kids had been released earlier in the yeah. siege. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch but, of people left as well, like some older, some of the older people. Uh, there are, I think there are 74 People left in the compound. Still 20 or so of them are children as well. Yeah. And everybody dies. Mm. Oh, well, no, actually, no, a couple of people do survive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the that Aussie bloke comes Aussie out guy, yeah. on fire. And, yeah. yeah. yeah there's an, an Australian guy gets out. I think his name was Jeffrey Craddock. Mm, no, it was, it was Jeffrey Craddock. And there was another guy called uh, Clive Doyle. Yeah. And his mum, Edna Doyle. Yeah. Craddock was the Australian, though. Uh, so were Clive and Edna uh-huh. were Australian. All right. Um, the reason that Clive, I think it was Clive, survived was he was ready to die. He was like, yeah, I'm going to go meet God. Sick. Good result. Mm. Uh, but there was a dog that he liked that like kept on running back in and he kept on trying to set it free. Right. And he's like, no, get out of here, dog. You're going to turn and you're not going to go to heaven because you're a dog. Yeah. He doesn't Fucking know that idiot. all dogs go to heaven. Um, no, and so no that's... animals go to heaven, Robert. <laughs> so that's why he's... Not right in the middle because he's trying to save this dog. Mm. Uh, it was interesting listening to Craddock talking. He's done a few interviews. He did his first exclusive interview ever about uh, the whole thing with uh, 60 Minutes mm. earlier this year. Oh, yeah. 
Also, I found in 2013 he did an interview about it as well. But okay. No, this was his first ever one. Also on 60 Minutes? Uh, no, it was just with the with Fairfax. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was also interviewed on that docker they made like three years after yeah. the siege. <laughs> yeah. But um, he says that David gave him a pistol and a hand grenade. It's like he didn't really want them. Mm. But he didn't think he should just put them on the ground because that'd be like awkward. <laughs> so he just put him in his pocket yeah, and that fucked up the rest of his life because then he went to jail for having a bomb yeah, right. later on he just went around the corner and threw him somewhere because uh, you can't just leave it there because what if some kid picks it up I feel like joining one of the or being a member of one of the notorious suicide apocalyptic cults or apocalyptic cult at least is enough to already kind of screw up your life yeah like yeah. he's put a, he's, he's done enough to get himself into that position that David Koresh is handing him guns. Mm. So he Own your choices, buddy. He, That's what he's I'm like jumped out a window and went and hid in a barn. And mm. he would probably would have gone away with the grenade thing if he hadn't told the cops about it afterwards. Just never talk to the cops is the lesson. Yeah. Mm. But uh, so he... A fire breaks out. Now, the, the other question is who set the fire? Mm. The, the first question is who's shot first and the next one, I think, is who set the fire? Yeah. I think both of them could probably both come down to... A, someone accidentally shot first, which mm. caused a lot of people to start shooting. B, they're in the middle of Texas, probably in a dry old building full of flammable gases. Well, so the... Anything could have started the, the fire. There was always planned to set themselves on fire. Right. That was kind of in the mix. Oh, because there's, there's audio of them, right? Saying, yeah. don't pour it all out. We might need some later. Yeah, they talk about uh, hay and fuel and mm. there are three distinct spots where apparently that's what they... The spots right. that we were, they were going to start fires. Um, you, Cam, you are saying earlier that you right. don't think... So here's the argument for the feds starting the fire. One, it's the, the, they've pumped this thing full of gas that has the potential to be highly flammable. Mm -hmm. They say that the exact circumstance that it was in wasn't the right one. Like right. sometimes it can be very flammable and sometimes it can not be. Right. The fire did start a long time after they pumped the gas in, or hours afterwards. Yeah. So if it had been because of the... The idea is that they've pumped in the gas and they've also they've thrown in like these grenades mm. that are like supposed to set off gas as well. Yeah. And the spark from those has exploded the fumes. Mm. But that happened a long time before the fire started. Right. So that's sort of debunked. Yeah. There's also footage, and Bill Hicks talks about this in his comedy routine... There's footage of a tank with a flamethrower. Right. Like, See, I never come across that footage, but I didn't look super hard for it. It's questionable footage. Is it? Yeah. yeah. So this this featured in Waco, The Big Lie. And this is a doco by a woman called Linda Thompson. I think it's like a one-woman militia. Yeah. Right. I, for some reason, her tag name is um, the unorganized one-woman militia or something. Right. It's so, an interesting tagline to have, I guess, but... In the doco, she shows the footage and it's from a long way away and it's fairly grainy and apparently it's from a VHS and apparently the beta tape version shows more clearly that it's not a flamethrower right. but there it does know, just but now, fuel to the fire that beta cam should have won and, and, <laughs> and now beta's been phased out no, no one can play it <laughs> it looks like a flamethrower mm. right what it apparently is is uh, light reflecting off a panel like the they are putting a nozzle through yeah, mm. and they've knocked some sort of metal panel loose and the light is reflecting off it in a way that looks like there's flames coming out of the tank. Right. See, I feel like at this point, 
the feds as a as a total organization have made so many missteps mm. they're fucking driving tanks into a compound shooting wildly into a compound with women and children splitting hairs over that kind of unprovable fact just focus on the, the actual facts which is mm. just enough to be really bad mm. you know like well no because the question the question is who set the fire so if they had a flamethrower, if they'd modified one of these tanks to set a fire, yeah. which they could have done to like drive them out, yeah, then the they are fully culpable for all of the all of the deaths. A couple of quick things about Linda Thompson. Yep, um, she started or was one of the kind of originators of the Clinton body count. Oh, um, and she has made the claim that the. Agents that was uh, killed at the start, the three agents that were killed early on, were killed by friendly fire, uh, and they were all former bodyguards of Bill Clinton. So they I, were sent in and offed on purpose oh. to be part of the Clinton body count because they knew something about the Clintons. I think the part about them being bodyguards is true. Okay. No, I think... I remember looking this up ages ago when we talked about it, about the Clinton body count. Mm. And I think... What was it? They might have been like involved in a protection... Detail. Yeah, at some, at some point. point. Yeah, which you know, and if you're in that line of work, it's going to come up. But they're not like House of Cards bodyguards where they're sucking him off. No, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, I don't think there was any threesomes going on with these ones. I, I don't know that. Though. I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's Bill Clinton, so you don't know how frisky he's getting with just his protection details. It could yeah, be yeah. quite frisky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're like, Mr. President, we're just a protection detail. He's like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Protect the first penis. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, the arguments for the Davidians setting the fire. Mm. Uh, there's were bugs in the building. Mm. Now, on the audio from the bugs, you can hear them talking about uh, preparing to set a fire. Mm. Uh, they spread hay around. They spread accelerant around. Or, if you're told that the bugs say something different, you might hear something different. Mm. Right. <clears throat> The audio is not that clear, apparently. Uh, you listened to it, though, Robert. Yeah, I listened and to you it. you thought you could hear them saying... Well, I mean, I listened to it. I didn't know the audio was a point of contention. Um, and the documentary that I watched is... I expected it to be very poorly made. Because, you know, it was YouTube and yeah. whatever. But it was quite... It seemed like they'd vetted everything. And I, I can't imagine... Like, it was a professional documentary. I can't imagine they would... You you watched Waco New Revelations? Yeah, yeah. I think that was the follow up to Waco Rules of Engagement. Yeah, I think the one I watched. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they they split off. So they're quite nominated for an Oscar. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, But yeah, I didn't have any reason to think that that's what Mm. they they weren't. That's what they were saying. Because on the Rules of Engagement one, they said stuff. It was like, uh, "Don't pour it all." And the guy, the other guy, says, "I've already poured it." He's like, Mm. "We might need it later." And Mm. then they're talking about making Molotov cocktails to throw. They need to. Mm. So they're pumping around with gas to make mm. fires. They've also, as part of the whole scheme, said fire will be in the mix and we're probably going to burn ourselves. Yeah. So mm. we knew that, like, while they might not have said it, the conditions they created didn't hinder. Mm. It's, I also saw that. For both sides, that's fair, I think. Possible that they thought when they set the fire that they weren't going to die. Mm. That they would be protected by God. Because uh. there's a story in the Bible uh, of the these three Jewish youths who... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is the king. And he puts up this like, bitchin' idol 
Mm. It's like, oh, guys, everybody, pray to my idol that I've put up. Don't worry about this fucking false idol stuff you've yeah. heard about. Fuck those commandments. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about that because this is a pretty epic idol. Mm. Sweet. Everyone's like, yeah, all right, Nebuchadnezzar, we'll do what you say. Except for these three kids. They're like, we're not going to do it. And Nebuchadnezzar says, <clears throat> just letting you know, anyone who doesn't pray to the idol, I'm going to chuck into my fiery furnace. Hmm. And they're like, that's fine. God will protect us. He's like, are you sure? Because I'm going to make my fiery furnace seven times hotter than it normally is. Whoa. Massive overkill. They're like, yeah. no worries. Chuck us in. He puts them in the fiery furnace and they're protected. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in and he sees four people in there. There's one of them is a sneaky little, well, the lamb or whatever, the Holy Spirit protecting them. He they pops all, up. They all come out. Yeah. And he's like, what happened in there? And they're like, we told you God was going to protect us. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, can sign me up. Jeez. Jeez, all right. They should make that the, the motivational poster instead of the footprints one. Yeah. yeah. When you were in the seven times hotter than usual fiery furnace, yeah. that's when I was with you. I was there going... Yeah. <laughs> fanning the flames away I, yeah. I had to solve for your yeah. burns I had the flame retardant suits that we all wore Yeah, I can't believe we pulled one over Nebuchadnezzar so easily <laughs> yeah. none of this so that's when I was carrying you yeah. fucking lame yeah, yeah. cheers for carrying me Yeah. because oh, I was a bit tired maybe I could have just had a sleep yeah I could yeah. have just sat on the beach for a while Yeah, looked at the sunset beautiful Yep. recharged by as yeah. the sunset just right into it yeah staring it down <laughs> yep <laughs> Uh, there was a suggestion that they were into that and that they thought that when they set the fire they would survive mm. and then, then you get some real seal opening going yeah, yeah sick what's going on what the fuck <laughs> you said this wouldn't hurt oh Koresh so even if the audio is in question yeah uh, Craddock says that as he was leaving he heard people talking about Setting fires. Yeah, right. And he's also... Is he still kind of pro-Davidian? Oh, he's absolutely still yeah. on the Koresh train. So he's kind of... He like, he's not saying... He's not trying to cover it. No. But he's also not saying it's bad. No. Right. So, yeah, he still believes that David Koresh is going to come back. Yeah. He still believes in like... I think he's a Seventh-day Adventist now again. Okay. But... Uh, Until Koresh is back. Mm. Yeah. And then it'll be like... I, I never stop believing, David. Yeah. Psych, all you other guys... Good news when Koresh does come back. His bloody car's been fully restored. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can you explain? I, I saw a news article d- today. I don't know why. It I think up. it's from like August as well. Yeah, it's it was like, quite recent. fresh news. Right. Um, his car, his fucking sick Camaro. It's um, for sale. It's for sale. Great. It's been fully restored. Still got some of the dings from the siege on it. Awesome. It but- did at one stage have an engraving in it that says something about God. That's gone. Yeah. What is a fully restored... David Koresh Camaro cost 61k USD uh, it did say in the article they were leaning out of the Koresh thing yeah they were they were just selling it as like a cool Camaro here's a okay. cool fully restored Camaro I I would hazard to guess they would get so much more money for it if they sold it as David Koresh's car yeah I'd say lean in yeah, yeah definitely lean in yeah. hard although I guess the kind of people you've got to meet selling a David Koresh Camaro you probably don't want them this having your true. phone number yeah <laughs> Their money still spends. Yeah, fair enough. So, I think that's it. Oh, uh, yeah. So, everyone just burns everyone, horribly everyone in the fire. Everyone burns to death after, like, being in agony from CS gas. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, Some of the photos of the bodies is fucking horrible. I didn't really look at any. On that doco, that rules of engagement, there's a lot of footage of the dead bodies. Ugh. And Yuck. cyanide makes, like, cyanide makes your muscles contract mm. so violently that it can break your bones. Ooh. And there's photos of, like, the kids and their bodies are, like, completely twisted backwards because their muscles just spasm so bad from the cyanide. It's fucking not a nice thing to look at. Um, there's a lot of... When they go in, they find that a lot of them didn't die in the fire. A lot of them mm. were shot to death. Koresh, shot in the head. Koresh, yeah. It's not clear whether he killed himself or someone shot him. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of, like, suicide pacts. Mm. And maybe there are a few non-suicide pacts as well. But a lot yeah. of people shot. Um, Once so, they realised that they weren't protected from the fire. <laughs> they like, let's speed this up. So... Lon Haruchi's team, he was leading a team of snipers. Uh, I think it was three teams of snipers deployed. And there were spent casings found in the little house that they were shacked up in nearby. Right. Um, suggesting that the snipers were just popping off. Again, they said they weren't, but... Mm. Why are there sh- casings? Unless they're yeah. like, we're snipers and we're bored. Yeah. yeah. Can we just do a few shoots? We're just pinging cans. Yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of other things... I came across that I thought were interesting. Um, so the ATF, all the operational notes were missing after this. Mm. Uh, I, I'd say destroyed to hide the fact that they were fucked up massively. Yeah. Mm. Um, they also beat up a journalist quite early on. We're like <laughs> the kicked off. Um, you know, the first kind of shooting kicked off way back at the start. And this journal was there trying to film it. And they're like, nah, get out, stop filming. You know, have some respect. And he's like, yeah, I'm being respectful. I'm just, you know, here doing my job. And then they just started railing into him. <laughs> so you can see the footage. Like, you kind of see the camera thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. And he's just getting kicked. His fucking head kicked in. Uh, there's an interview with him in the documentary. And he's like, ah, oh, look. They were just blowing off steam. You know, and I was just the, the outlet valve at that moment. I'm not really. There was, yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff with the press. Yeah. Because no... None of the press really got the other side. Everything was just the official ATF line because mm. there was no way to get the official Koresh line, really. Mm. Uh, they, like, Patriot groups would show up. Like, guys from, like, the, the weird Patriot newsletters would show up and try and ask questions and they'd get kicked out. And they're like, I've got, you know, they'd ask them, where'd you get your press badge from? They're like, I made it myself. Just, like, everyone here made their own yeah. press badge. <laughs> There's no such thing as an official press badge. Yeah. You just put a little piece of paper saying press into the band yeah. of your hat. In your hat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need. In this case, I put it in the band of my hood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, just as in a weird aside, the original journalists that went along on the raid and sort of tipped them off, their lives were ruined by that. Right. They got massively blamed for everything that went wrong after that. Mm. And yeah, the TV reporter who initially was like the star of the show because, you know, he was there on the scene. Mm. You know, they're filming this two-hour standoff and cutting back to him. He's like the star reporter. And then it all just goes to shit because everyone blames him. Jeebus. And he ended up having the cookedest career because he couldn't get a job anywhere proper. Like, so he had to go for like the sort of jobs they only give to real cunts. <laughs> and so he worked in the secondary insurance industry, which I didn't realize this was a thing. Mm. But there was this whole industry of these companies that would buy insurance policies from like terminally ill people. Like, so let's say you've got AIDS and you're dying. 
and you've got life insurance and you're like, all right, some, someone comes up to you and says, I'll buy your life insurance policy off you. So I will have a life insurance policy on you, someone mm. who's dying. You'll have the money now. You'll have a bunch of money now that you can go and spend on things while mm. you're still alive to enjoy it. Now, you won't get in, your family or whatever won't get any payout when you die. But mm. we will get the payout. Right. Essentially paying us back for the money we're giving you yeah. now. But then they would sell they, they would sell the insurance policy off to the like these investors. Right. Who would keep paying the premiums and then when the person died, they get the payout split up amongst them. And it was this huge industry, this huge super dodgy industry. But you gotta be a real asshole to work in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that was like the only place you could get a job. And then I think later he worked for like an oil company. Right. right. Doing PR. But uh I didn't realize that industry existed and then it collapsed because they were buying insurance policies off people who were dying, but they didn't die fast enough. Uh. And so they're like, they had to keep paying the premiums for longer and the whole thing collapsed. Once again, big pharma saves the day. Good work, big pharma. (laughs) Keeping people alive. So, so is that all we have on Waco? Well, the thing is, right. How crazy was the Branch Davidians. Pretty crazy. Yep. I, I, mean, got, I, I got a little bit pilled on a few little things. Yeah. I watched, of their beliefs? or Not on their beliefs, but just like the way that they were presented in the media. Like I saw one news report on them where they really leaned in hard on what a crazy cult they were. Mm. And they had this footage which was actually taken by Australian journalists mm. from A Current Affair who did a... So there were a bunch of Aussies there because mm. when he came to Melbourne, he recruited a bunch of Australians and a current affair went over. I think Ray Martin interviews him, but uh, they had footage from like a Bible study and in the like news reports, they only use the one bit where everyone is like chanting back the seventh seal. And they seem super crazy and apocalyptic. Right. Mm. And then you watch the whole thing, which you can, the like the raw footage is available and he's like doing this Bible study and they are repeating stuff back to him or like answering his questions. And sometimes they don't do the right answer and he like looks a little bit miffed. <laughs> and at one point, like the reporters, the cameraman moves back to get a, like a wide shot. And he's like, oh, are you guys done? And they're like, oh no, we just need to get a wide shot, mate. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no problem. And he continues. And he's, the whole thing's not super crazy. Right. Mm. But there is a little Sounds bit Sounds a little bit crazy. There. You didn't really... Managed to sell sell me on them not being crazy. Well, yeah. but if you watch any evangelical church like um, sermon mm. or bloody thing, they are all a bit crazy. Yeah, not going to argue against that. Also, they were like normal members of the community. Like they're supposed to have been tooling up for Armageddon, but they're also they're postmen mm. and they're working in shops. Apparently, they're great employees. You don't have to worry about them putting their fingers in the till. US postal workers, classically not unhinged people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So what you're saying is the child molesting cult mm. had some good sides because they had jobs. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, no, fair, fair, yeah. I don't know. There was just there was a few little things like that where I was like, you know, you did, like you were saying, Robbo, maybe. Mm. Here we go. He's going to twist my words. Oh. Like Classic they're, journalist. They're already quite crazy you don't need to present things in out of context yeah to make them look bad yeah Mm. but they did do that which gives leaves that wiggle room for people to come in and say what if this other thing is what happened the other thing that i've never seen explained 
from Waco, The Big Lie, even though there's a bunch of stuff that's completely explainable, like the flamethrower and stuff. Mm. Uh, there's footage of someone climbing out a window or jumping out of a window and going and standing with the cops and not being like... It's not like someone is uh, pulling them down on the ground or anything. Mm. Right. And it's like, what's that footage of? And it's from super far away. And you, It's like totally unclear right. if they are standing with the cops or what's going on. Right. The other thing is I heard Linda Thompson on a radio interview talking about how there's other footage of the flamethrower thing from another angle, which puts the lie to the reflection theory, mm. which is not actually true because a bit of shiny metal can reflect from multiple angles. Mm. Well, on the, the doco I watched, there was this one point where in the, the heat vision camera, in one corner of the building, you see two little flashes of like intense heat. And they're mm. saying that's where something explode. That's where something caught on fire. There was mm. like two little... <clears throat> And in the, like the, I think the feds who were trying to disprove something or they, they were trying to, cause that happened right over in the corner where no one was. And I think the, the feds are like going, no, they started the fire deep in the, the compound. Mm. But the people inside who were being interviewed afterwards who got out said they remember the fireballs starting in certain parts and traveling down corridors and stuff. But the, one of the feds is looking at the footage going, Oh, that's clearly just uh, the reflection of something, and the, the the analyst of the heat cameras like that's not how these cameras work. <laughs> like they don't pick up reflections; they pick up heat. Yeah, it's not a reflection; it's a bright little burst of heat. It's like surely they should have done their research before they just were like, "Oh, that's just a reflection." Yeah, I haven't seen the the guy jumping out explained anywhere, mm. and but no one else besides this one doco even looks at it. Right. Uh, in John Ronson's book, The Men Who Stare at Goats, he has a little section about Waco mm. uh, where he talks about the Soviet guy they brought in. But he also talks about a guy called Mr. B who was apparently a, a master of disguise or like a master of like blending in mm. so much so that he was essentially invisible. And they reckon that Mr. B went in just before the end to like check on fix all the bugs mm. and then slipped out without anybody noticing. <gasps> Do you think you saw Mr. B in the documentary? Maybe it was Mr. B in the documentary. But you saw him. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Kind of like the military guy from hit movie Toys starring Robin Williams. Mm. Could slide into the wall and you wouldn't know he was there. What's this thing? Right. Toys. Robin Williams. Now, and this is not something I've... I've only seen this in a few spots. I didn't see it on like the big things about it. Apparently one of the Koresh plans was to go into town or it was at least something that he talked about was to go into the town and they would shoot up a McDonald's. Okay. And then they would have a gunfight with the police. Right. So they were, you were going to say then they would have free Big Macs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> then they could have breakfast after 10 o'clock. Yeah. No one could stop them. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think that is something that they'd actually at least planned the breakfast all or they breakfast. Yes. <laughs> well, if they just waited, they could have had all day breakfast. Yeah. Or they could have had, you know, Big Macs before 10 a.m. Yeah, yeah, if they had waited to 2018. There's, yeah. no, there's no fucking rules anymore. They could yeah. they could get that shit Ubered to their house. They have to leave their compound. So Idiots. I've only seen that in a few spots though, but I think that's a real thing hmm. that they'd planned on doing that. Also, when they were in the siege, one of their plans was to uh, take Koresh out on a stretcher. 
They're like, oh, Koresh's, you know, he's all sick and dead. Don't shoot, don't shoot. And the feds would be like, all right, bring him on through. And then they'd all pull their guns out and start shooting. <gasps> that would have been epic. A little, a the little. sheets just fly off and he's got two machine guns. The classic playing possum trick. Yeah. I like it. And there was a few other little things like that where they were going to really do some cooked shit. Mm. Mm. So, do you guys want to know what's happening at the site now? Yes, I yeah. was actually thinking that before. So, they've built a church there. There was a right. church rebuilt in the 90s. You can go and there's a memorial there. Church of the Davidians? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah right. um, there's a memorial with everyone's names. Um, if you take a little thing called a paranormal puck, which is a little paranormal device, you can take that along like these guys on YouTube that I watched, and you can start hearing some fucking voices. Oh. These dudes. Is this like the EVP? Similar thing. Paranormal Puck, I don't really know how it works, but it costs $300. Does it work like an EVP thing where it's just playing audio? I think so. Maybe a little bit better. You need to pair it with an app on your phone, and then you can ask it questions. Do we need to buy one? uh, I'd like to. How much does it cost? 300 bucks. Right. And is it one of those things where it costs about $10 to make? Yeah, probably. I I didn't have time to look into it properly. Um, But... They said, um, I don't know if they asked a question, but they got the words shepherd legs back from the paranormal park and they just fucking blew these guys' minds. Whoa. This YouTube channel, um, I can't remember the name of it, but they look like stoners in college, just long hair, tie-dyed shirts, nice. just loving this paranormal park. Um, and then they asked, how did you die? And the words came back, duty and troop. Oh, like, whoa, maybe it was one of the agents talking to yeah. us. Uh, and then they said they could hear some very odd disembodied voices around them. And then there was a bird chirping at them oh. while staring right at them. Oh. They were like, this bird is just going nuts at us. This is just crazy stuff Clear happening paranormal here. activity. Uh, and then they got out another gizmo. I don't know what it was. Um, and they were tuning in and they just... It was just static. Like, oh, no, we can definitely hear things. We can hear voices. Oh, but it's just like too many. So, you know, it's just a... a cr- um, so, yeah, basically, they had pretty much good evidence that the Koreshian clan are now ghosts yeah. haunting the site. Whoa. So, I guess the other thing, besides them becoming ghosts that happened after the siege concluded, mm-hmm. uh, the survivors all get banged up for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. I think a bunch of them get like 40 years yeah. for like, like the Australian guy, I think got 13 years. He got let out in like 2006 hmm. uh, for possession of a explosive in the proceeding during a crime. Hmm. Yeah. A bunch of them get done for murder or whatever. Uh, the, ju- the Patriot movement uh, contacted every juror in the area before the trial began. To let them know about jury nullification, mm. which is a thing that a jury can do. Even if a jury thinks that someone is guilty, they can still say, we're not going to find them guilty. You're not obliged okay. to put someone in jail just because they're definitely guilty if you think the law is unjust. Yeah. And so the <laughs> government was not happy that they'd done that. <laughs> uh, because there was so much interest from like the far right, the... Government put like snipers on the courtroom, courthouse, and bust every all the jurors in in like buses with all the windows blacked out. Jeebus. It's not really help the defense case have a in terms of having a fair trial. Mm. 
uh, if you're like, oh, by the way, these people are so dangerous. That yeah, yeah. We have to do this. <laughs> I think there might have been something where they told them that there was like a drug lord on trial at the same time. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. that classic, that Waco drug lord problem that yep. we, we all know about. <laughs> so everyone pretty much goes to jail. Yeah. Who's alive. The other thing, of course, happens is that a serious, the whole thing sets in motion a series of events that in two years to the day will culminate in the Oklahoma City bombing. Mm. But also possibly sets in series events that would lead to the election of Donald Trump. Yeah. So mm. you see the, the militia movement grows exponentially after mm. Waco. It becomes a, a touchstone point. Because uh, after Ruby Ridge... And in conjunction with Ruby Ridge, the government was definitely coming for everyone's guns. There's the assault weapons ban is sort of happening at the same time. Mm. And here's the government just coming in. And if you don't do what the government says, they'll kill you. Also, the we mentioned the Clinton body count is even happening at this time as well, where mm. people are tying the Clintons in, which, as we saw during the Donald Trump election, like it felt like all of that started at that time, you know, from what you're saying and, and then the, the conspiracy theories against the Clintons yeah. culminated in this Donald Trump situation. The other thing is, in terms of, like, the actual crimes that they'd committed, besides the child abuse stuff, which is not what they were getting pinged for, mm. the stuff they were going in on them for was, like... It wasn't that the guns they had were illegal as much as they might have had guns they hadn't paid enough tax on. Mm. Right. Or modified guns. Yeah. But that, one of the big things was that they, they had these guns which are completely legal if you pay a $200 tax. And they hadn't paid that. Mm. And so that goes in the thing and it's like, don't pay your tax, this is what happens. Mm. Um, Cam seems slightly apologetic. About no, I'm the... not apologetic. Like, <laughs> they're, they're very bad people. But okay, well, it's just you it's making the... a spirit of defence. Well, no, of this it. is the optics of it. Yeah. Is that yeah. this inspired a, the militia movement to really... Yeah. grow from there. Yeah. And I, you see that in the next two years until the militia movement suffers a very bad PR disaster. I, I don't think anyone in this situation did a good job. No. As in the collective group. I'm sure there were people there that did a good job individually. Um, but as a collective group on both sides, pretty terrible stuff. Mm. Um, but just in my last sort of comment that I want to make is if you find yourself getting involved in a cult, maybe don't. <laughs> okay, uh, I think that's come nice. up before We've mentioned that before And I just yeah. kind of want to reiterate that Cult generally turns out pretty bad yeah. um, Particularly if it's got a Kind of an apocalyptic bent to it yeah. Avoid those I think I've mentioned something else before About if someone comes along saying I can save your soul But it involves my dick Yeah Walk away Yeah, yeah. That's not that, It just doesn't work out for you No Cam, on the other hand, is seemingly pro-cult yeah. at the moment. So. No. And notice how Cam doesn't have past words of wisdom that he can recall. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. No. Look, all I'll say is, yeah. how did this guy... Like, this Mr. Retardo, right? <laughs> how did he inspire such loyalty? I feel like, Cam, you're like... Part of you thinks you could do a better job of starting a cult than David Koresh. This oh. feels like where it's going. Yeah. I think part of me wonders if you could just work out what David Koresh's secret was, you could have the most epic self-help empire. Like, you could be Tony Robbins on speed. Tony Robbins does a pretty good job of Which, being Tony Robbins on speed. Yeah. <laughs> if you could work out what Koresh's secret politically, was. Politically, Tony Robbins, politically. <laughs> yeah. 
I think I was. I've been thinking about it though, because like he's supposed his whole life, he supposedly is like this super uncharismatic guy, and then he rocks up at this compound, and suddenly he's the charismatic, you know, silver tongued you know, preacher guy. Mm. Yeah, and I've been struggling with it, trying to work out how he. How he does it. How he does it. Wanna, I'm not sure. You want to work out his hacks. Yeah. I want to know what his life hack is. Yeah. But I'm, my suspicion is that the life hack might be you need to find a bunch of people who are just ready to be told that you're a prophet. Mm. Uh, maybe you don't need to be especially charismatic to bring those people around. Maybe he had a big dick. <laughs> yeah. It's all about the dinger. <laughs> so, um, okay. I, so I couldn't work that out. Yeah. So I guess where we land is Salty and I don't want people to join cults. Cam, you're trying to work out how to start a cult. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. We're probably not going to sign up. Uh, yeah. All right. To wrap this baby up. Yeah, so that's Waco. Next week, we'll talk about Oklahoma City. All right. Then we need to think of a cool, snazzy name to wrap up these three episodes in the something or other series. The Militia series. The Seed. Well, we can do that off mic. Do a bloody word, word, what do you call that? Thought, word, clap. I bet you just cut this whole bit. Yeah. No, leave them the sin. Cut, cut, cut. Oh, we cult leader over here. <laughs> uh, Robbo, where can people find us online? Uh, oh, I don't know. Hypotheticalinstitute.com? Maybe you should ask me. Uh, no, this is good. Yeah. Hypotheticalinstitute.com, cookedunits.com for our merch. Uh, Patreon.com slash hypothepod if you want to sign up and help us out. With a little bit of a donation, and you get gears and treats in return, like our weekly news show. Yeah. Uh, you can also find us on twitter.com slash hypothepod. We're on iTunes and Spotify, and everywhere you get po- your podcast. Leave us a review if you like. Yeah. A rating. Mm. Have we had a new review? In- we oh. had a new couple of new ratings, but they didn't say any words, but thank you. Mm. Oh, yeah. I think they're both fivers, so thank yeah. you for that. Where can they find you, Robbo? You can get me at Ale of a Time on social media, um, aleofatime.com, and uh, in the lead up to Christmas, you can buy my book, Keg, Bottle, Can, in bookshops or online if you want to learn about beer. You can get me at Solmarsh on Instagram for some arty stuff and Andrew Solmarsh Illustration on Facebook. Uh, I'm selling some art prints on Society6 if you want to get any. What's the URL? Society6.com slash Saltmarsh. And check out Tohara on Patreon. And you can find me at Sexenheimer on Twitter and gather around me on Facebook and iTunes for my other podcast. Should be having an episode coming out soon, only a week and a bit after it was recorded. So if you're looking for some up-to-date news on the uh, George Soros bomber, wow. <laughs> you should check that out. <laughs> this is be- recorded before they even caught the guy. Right. So... In these days, you need to get your podcast out straight away because yeah, the, the world is nuts right well, now. Well, because this was back when all we knew was that a Debbie Washman Schultz's name was on the return address. So that was our going theory. Mm. Was it? Obviously, it's her. Uh, disproven by the arrest of the guy who did it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we didn't know. That was the best evidence we had at the time. So that should be out soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Don't worry. About a thing Except if all our world leaders are alien reptilians I said don't worry About a thing Except maybe the fluoride in our water supply contains mind altering
accept whether or not Port Arthur was a false flag operation in which to disarm Australia.